Hello world, and welcome to another episode of LJ Presents. Today's guest is transgender male actor Skylar Cooper. He's another actor-filmmaker like myself with many credits under his belt. Can't wait to talk more about it. He's also a Gulf War veteran, and we were actually able to talk about his experiences uh, overseas as well. You can find out more about Skylar at SkylarCooper.net. And without further ado, I present to you Skylar Cooper. Or whatever. And so, yeah. Let me get comfortable here. Oh wow, this is like legit. This is this is actually you're the first um live person I've actually had at the house. Like everybody, like my goal is to actually try and get I don't know, like an office or something like that and just be able to, you know, have people over because this is really the best way yeah. to to do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, oh, and just so you know, we're recording now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Very, you look very legit. I, I know, right? <laughs> you do. I, it's like, this is a nice setup. <laughs> right in the middle of your living room. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Joe yeah. Rogan style. <laughs> I, oh, man. Oh, I fucking love Joe Rogan. So, really? yeah. Yeah. Did you see him? He was, uh, he had the guy from uh, Twitter. His, well, he did two, two shows with uh, the CEO of Twitter. So, one was just him. Mm-hmm. And... He felt as if uh, his audience members felt as if he didn't like really attack them on certain issues as far as like, yo, why are all these people getting getting 86 off off of the platform? And so, yeah, getting censored. Mm -hmm. So the dude brought back his not his lawyer, but the, the people who are responsible for, well, kicking people off of the platform Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. violated their terms of services. That's what's going under the guise of. So he brought her back, and then there was another one, another guy who who is like not opponent, but biggest critic for the most part. And these are all like you know left leaning people, and the guy that's like fighting for yo, you you are censoring these people. He's like more left than anything, but realizes that. You start censoring these people and you start kicking people off of this platform, it's going to set a whole precedent Mm -hmm. for everything else. Mm -hmm. And like it was a great debate on the topic. And as far as civil discourse uh, come, you know, goes, I think it was the best way to actually talk you know, and discuss issues and stuff like that. I mean, nothing was really solved other than. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the purpose? <laughs> well, I mean. Well, maybe not a resolution when you have a podcast, but, you, you know, yeah, yeah, you do want to have a conversation about it and walk away with something different or, yeah, something different that you may not have known before Yeah. the conversation. But you're saying nothing was <laughs> resolved. So. Not, nothing was, was resolved other than, okay, we hear each other. We have made mistakes. We're not saying that we haven't or hadn't made any mistakes. And so it's a long, arduous road to um, either bring these people back or, you know, what have you. And, and we're talking we're talking like people who are probably considered alt-right mm-hmm. or, you know, just, you know, crazy. They're getting booted quote, off unquote, of Twitter. They're getting booted off of Twitter. Well, this was happening... Like it happened simultaneously. Like uh, Alex Jones, for example. Oh, he I got- love 
would you sense the sarcasm? <laughs> Love him. Oh man, I mean, <laughs> he's lovable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Well, somebody loves him. Somebody does love him. Well, everybody on? needs to be loved. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, but you think that he? Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, everyone does. Yeah. This is true. Yeah, this is the Buddhist in me speaking. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Everyone is deserving of love. Every mm-hmm. everyone is. So so, Facebook booted him. Twitter booted him. <laughs> like it was you just a said whole. Everyone's deserving of love. You're like Facebook booted him. No oh love. yeah. <laughs> Twitter booted him. No love. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Very ironic. So, so getting love there. Oh, none whatsoever. <laughs> no love. And so, you know, <laughs> you think about that. I was like, well, that's like the, the canary in the coal mine. Like yeah, yeah. They, they kicked him off of the platform. Then another guy who was one was like a satirist, uh, the the Milo. Yo, yo, I'm killing his name, but he's like, oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. One who got beat up at no, not chased away at Berkeley when he was going to do a. Uh, 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 speech there. Yeah, I think it was either him, but then there was another dude. I th- he needs to have an easier last name. He does, especially <laughs> if he's going to start talking. We'll just call him Milo smack. the asshole. Milo. We'll just call him <laughs> yeah, Milo. Milo. Yeah, Milo. We'll call him Milo. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but then as I understand it, he's he's like on the extreme right. Gay has a. He's gay, right? I think. Yeah, yeah I think he's, he's gay. gay. He's gay. With a brown boyfriend, and is is like Dave Chappelle, not the black white supremacist, but uh, the gay Ku Klux Ku Klux Klan member, you oh, know, yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> kind of like that, right. where you're just like how major conflict. Yeah, it's like, kind of like a well, a friend of mine is. It was really I was kind of shocked. I didn't know, but he's Buddhist, mm-hmm. um, and he was a tea partier. <laughs> how does Buddhist and tea partier even? coexist kind of yeah when i learned that i was like sure yeah yeah why not yeah i I think if anything 2016 opened my eyes in regards to nothing is really in black and white yeah the that whole year opened my eyes to how politics really work and it solidified in me why no one should no one should hold no everyone should hold their vote and really cherish it mm-hmm. really cherish it and don't just squander it because you think well i have to follow the masses and i've actually had people you know tell me oh well you're throwing your vote away if you do this or you think this way then you know like i've i've heard all of that mm-hmm. and um and that's when i realized i was like you know, I we had people hang on trees, mm-hmm. you know, cut up, sold as souvenirs, you know, yeah. and my voice like I don't squander it, you know, like I really give this shit some thought. Mm-hmm. We did squander it when, OK, we do this every four years, oh, time to vote for another president. And then everything else, you know, comes into play in regards to um policies and a whole bunch of other stuff right Mm -hmm. laws rules or whatever but we don't really focus on the midterms you know what's actually going on locally and as soon as that came into play like i mean you hear about it but you don't really do anything about it but in 2016 that's when i was like oh Mm -hmm. 
I need to focus more on what's going on around my neighborhood because that directs me uh, that that affects me directly. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first time that someone has told me this, but this was the first time that it actually clicked. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Oh, about what part of what you said? Oh God, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, about it being about national. Well, not necessarily the importance of national politics versus local politics. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that the uh, what's happening in the national state on the national stage is so. Uh, eye-catching it's almost like watching a train wreck Mm -hmm. that it it you know i think you oftentimes hear that your vote doesn't count or you're throwing your vote away on those bigger uh type of elections like national elections yeah but when it when becomes like local it's almost like you really have to do your homework you really have to know who you're voting for and up and down you know on their issues yeah You you really have to hone in on that uh to affect a positive um uh change and definitely, you know, cast a, a proper vote. That right. You feel you voted for a candidate that speaks for you. Um, definitely on a local level. But I, I also think on a national level, the same applies. Um, you really have to follow that individual. It's harder because, mm-hmm. you know, they've had, by the time they go, for instance, for, you know, the running for president, they've held how, how many offices, you know? Well, in, well yeah. A, aside from Trump, yeah. <laughs> who held zero offices. Yeah. But most politicians have held offices from being like a commissioner to being a, 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 a mayor to being a governor and, and, and all of those positions that they've held and all the issues that they, you know, that they fought against or fought for mm-hmm. are hard to keep track of. And then you have to do that for, in this case, 18, the Democrats, 18 other Democrats, you know, right. and so people get tired. They don't want to do all of that research, but you kind of have to on the same level that you would, you know, on the local yeah. local stage and that's why i think they i think that's where they get us they they tire us you know they t- they just wear you fucking down <laughs> man and, it, yeah. and, I, and I see it in people um i see them you know really worn down by the by everything the, mm-hmm. and and i feel uh just kind of tying in a little bit because you said something about the, the social media and uh and I feel like social media has done something uh, to, to uh, society in that it's amplified the amounts of tribes and discourse that we have. It's amplified right. it to like the umpteenth degree. And it's it's people are still, again, trying to catch up. People, uh, for me, I mean, I'll fully admit I was... Uh, an ostrich with their head in the sand when it came to politics. But mm-hmm. it wasn't until we had this recent big election and we elected a man who was totally unqualified to oh, hold yeah. the, the, the uh, presidential office. And it's you know clear every single day. Yeah. And this is not a dig against Trump, um, but he is not qualified. In, in every sense of what I, if I were to break out the, you know, like if it was like a, you know, you go for a job interview right. and they list all the qualifications. He would not hit one. He would not hit one. And he's been he's been hired. And you know how you do like, you know how you do a, um, 
a yearly review and they yeah. do this and the, the employees will say, well, you interview, tell us how you think you did, right? And right. so they do that now. I mean, this is my days from working in corporate. That's what it was like. <laughs> like you, you critiqued yourself. And so now you have, but imagine it on top of the fact that I don't hit any of the qualifications that I applied for. Mm-hmm. And then I'm lying the whole time. And it's like at the end of the year, okay, now tell us how you did. And I lie. Like that's part of the things <laughs> I do. So I'm clearly like, how are you going to ask somebody who lies clearly lies and who's not qualified to review themselves and that's what's happening and it is exhausting yeah. to watch it's like well he's not he what he's well he's definitely i'd probably say the top 10 of of presidents who don't have a clue like you had a w Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah. then and then Reagan, well, he yeah, granted he was more on the medical side of things like having a dementia at the yeah. tail end uh, of his of his last term. He did the fake it till you make it. And he was a oh, he's a success he was of good. fake it till you make it. He's oh a yeah. good example of fake it till you make it. Yeah. That was yeah. Ronald Reagan. You know what? And 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 seeing how everything was is coming to pass now, like I've realized how particularly with Reagan, I want to say he was more or less um created you know because what he was president of sag then he was governor of california and then for some odd reason i saw this documentary like years back as how as to how he was shaped to become the governor and then molded to become the president because they needed his swagger to deal with uh unions and that's when i i think unions really uh came under fire during uh his administration during his two terms, you know, of course, when he threatened to fire um, their traffic control workers, you know, and, and all that. that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I remember, my head was still in the sand. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> well, here's here's what you do when I you catch up a little bit, but I stayed down. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you and me both. Not my thing, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, I wasn't interested. It didn't speak to me. So I was just like, but now it's speaking. Yeah, it's threatening. It's more than speaking. It's threatening my life. And yeah. So, you know, as a as a trans activist um, and veteran, mm. I, I have to speak out, you know, and, and give voice kind of like what you were saying earlier, you know, when I think about why I have a voice, you know, and how far I've come in this country, you know, we all have come in this country and I don't just mean black people, just in general. And I look at America, you know, today and I, I, I kind of, I'm a little um, confused by what this country really represents and what it stands for. It's like, what is America? Mm. You know, and I and I, I feel like that question is constantly being asked and constantly, you know, I try to answer it and then it shifts and it shifts a little bit more. And it's like, oh, well, it's not that because if it's that, then why is are these other things happening? Right. You know, at such a... a um, a, like a, a, a fast pace, you know, and again, it's it, it's at the top. It's at the top that I see a lot of hypocrisy, you know, and it's just so difficult to ask people to follow you and follow these, you know, these laws and these rules when you're breaking them. And then it's like, well, then what what is then it kind of goes back to I think I was talking to you this, about this the other day about we are looking for leadership you know, for somebody to lead us out of the dark. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and particularly, I'll just say black people have um, needed this sort of um, 
leadership in this country because our ancestors came here many against their will um, and they were treated as not even human chattel and yeah. so yeah and so to come from that type of psychology and then be told in a in a land that is not your motherland then to be told in a land that you are you know actually you are human so here's your freedom yeah good luck and, and then you're just <laughs> like, like what the where, right, so where do need, i go what yeah, do so i do if yeah any, if any people needed leadership i would say it was the black community because in the black americans let me just really be clear about that mm -hmm. particularly black americans generational black americans um because there was a lot of trauma that's been passed down through the families you know to today yeah not Black American, black people who come from other countries who immigrated here—they're very different. Yeah. Um. And more power to them. They had their struggles, but I'm talking about generational trauma. Yeah. You know, in this country, and again, speaking to what is America, and my ancestors, along with white people who are generational Americans, built the founding foundation of America, mm -hmm. and that's why people flocked here. And, and so now what is America today for black Americans? I do see very little change because again, I'm gonna go back to leadership. It never really happened until Dr. King. Right. And he was that one symbol that m mobilized and got black people together and got them to see their worth. And they started to show pride and, and just within these, families you know mm -hmm. you saw that pride coming out that that uh, that you are just as good as anyone else and then he was assassinated right and then it seems like we have not had it was like the jews lost on the desert like we have not had a leader since you know and then and some people would say you know there have been some leaders uh the, the jesse jackson mm -hmm. sharpton celebrities but but i mean then the black community, I felt, turned towards celebrityism, yeah, and started to like uphold music. And not that it's a bad thing; they're great. I love that these young black men and women, you know, took themselves out of the ghetto and made a life for themselves. But in my opinion, they kind of held the same viewpoints, but just with more expensive taste. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. It just I didn't see a lot of enlightenment happening. Until I feel those black people started to, the, those black celebrities who came out of the ghetto started to really allow their wealth to kind of see other types of people from different mm -hmm. communities. And then I can see how it affects them and how they start changing. Like, for instance, Beyonce, I don't think that she came from a family that was about veganism. But I think because she's lived, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I love Beyonce. I'm not hating yeah. on it. I love yeah. that her and, Je Je you know, um. Um, Jay-Z are all about promoting veganism. I love it. I didn't but I know think that. that, that but yeah. I think that that is a great example of how money can expose you and open your mind True. toward, you know, other ways of thinking about nutrition, about yeah. religion. About, and I see that in these, these, these two amazing, talented um, people. I don't see it widespread in, right. in the black community that has come to a lot of money. A lot of them still hold really ignorant views. I was listening to the news recently we all know about r kelly and that's just tragic yeah but the fact that he had so much money and yeah. he's still illiterate yeah like there's a lot of that yeah and that is a shame yeah that is a shame because that is that is 
that is not necessarily uplifting yourself and treating yourself with pride. That's just right. you, you know, saying I made my I made my money, you know, and so you know, therefore I'm not I'm not poor. Right, you I'm know, not but, poor, and that's it. But. Right, and that's it. You know, like, but you can be better and do better, whether you're poor or rich. You right, know? and that's that to me is success is, it's about doing better. So back to the leadership piece, mm-hmm. I've not, I've not felt that, at this, at, in this day and age, that it's leadership that we need to look for somebody to lead us and mobilize us. I think we have to lead from within our own lives. Right, we have enough now you know, that we know how to do that. Yeah. And and I, I'm not going to blame someone else for uh, the opportunities that are mine. Right. You know, I will go after them and I'll go after them because it's what I want. Right. But not because it's what I think society thinks I should do. Um, right. I mean, first off, like we, we have to we have to look at ourselves and find our own self-worth Absolutely. And have our own personal responsibility and know the stories that we make up for ourselves in order to go out into this world and tackle all the all the things that we need need to tackle in order to better ourselves. Right. And then, you know, along with the fact that, okay, you're a black person in America, you know, you're 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 dealing with that thing, which honestly, I you know, just being a person in America. I'm losing my train of thought. Basically, what I'm trying to say is having and needing personal responsibility. Once you have that, then you know how to go out into the world instead of trying to be a victim. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, Okay, so I was at a support group um, the other day and one of the people in my trans support group said that they were unhappy and they wanted to commit suicide. Mm. And you know how prevalent is that? What's that? Uh, suicide in the suicide trans community. In tra- oh my gosh! Yeah. I think mostly among trans women than trans men. Okay. But because it's harder, I think for trans women, uh, there's this. We we were talking about this. It's like uh, uh, masculinity. Um, uh, no, no, it's not. Femininity is kind of demonized. Mm. In, in you know, so even so, for instance, it, as when I cisgendered, when I was cisgender identified, I could wear masculine clothes and no one be the you know be upset. Right. For some reason, it's okay to wear masculine clothes or unisex, however you want to put it. But if yeah. but if you're if you're a masculine woman, if you have muscles and you try to wear feminine clothes, Serena Williams is you know people ridicule you. That's true. Or, you know, it's like but if you're if you're a cisgender man and you. Uh, but you feel identified as a female and you want to wear feminine clothes, people ridicule you. If you're a gay man and you know that you're a man and you love men and you feel a little more fem- feminine, people ridicule It's like there's like this this anger against femininity as mm. if it's like a bad thing. Right. You know, and I just I find well, that it's a so, part of our culture. Yeah, it's totally yeah. a part of our culture. And I just I mean, being someone who come who came from um, being a strong woman, uh, I never apologize for that. And in fact, I, I remember when people would say, okay, ladies. And I'm like, I'm not a lady. <laughs> right. And I wanted to say, not that it's a bad, but I said, let's just speak. Let's keep, let's be clear. Okay. I've never, I'm not a lady. I never have been a lady. Okay. I've, I have. Lady defined as I'll say, I'll say crossing one. your legs. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, but a woman could cross their legs. Right. I was a respectful, strong, um, um, intelligent woman you know i i was a courteous mannered woman but i was never a lady 
and there's um there it bring lady to me is a type of woman okay it's you know it's like you know you don't when i see um it's so juvenile but you don't see you'll see uh the men in women's bathroom right men and women but oftentimes i'll see ladies and men mm. <laughs> and i was like what really what? yeah i'll see late it won't, it won't be ladies and gentlemen it'll be ladies and men yeah i'll see that too and it's like huh. wow it's almost as if they think ladies <laughs> is a gender and it's actually a type of woman but um, i've never like i'm usually i'm looking for the triangle or the circle, or <laughs> you the, the, I'm like, I don't even read the words because I'm just like, am I going into the woman's thing. bathroom? <laughs> no. Good. <laughs> like, I keep it skyline. I just look at symbols. Like, I never thought about the triangle, dude. I never knew. Yeah, that's such a dude thing. Like, words. <laughs> oh, words can't. Uh, T, I got You like uh, simplify it. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, guys like things simplified. We don't like complicated. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we can be complex people. Yeah. But we like to make it. It's like the past of least resistance. Exactly. That's what we take, you know. Yeah. I think I think men are probably the perfect Buddhists. You know, I would agree, actually. I would agree. I've had, and I'll say that only with the male and female species. I'll oh, say this for, with, for example, with canines. Okay. So I've always had a male dog, mm-hmm. and I got this female uh, basset hound. Oh my god, mm-hmm. this bitch is crazy! <laughs> like I can't take her anywhere. She's like attacking, and someone told me, you know, she wants to attack every dog until she sees. And that's not true, but but she's very aggressive. Okay. And this woman said, well, that's because in the canine world, the females protect the pups and the males just go around siring yeah. all the other dogs. So they don't yeah. like, it was like, hey, I'm going to hey, sire. who's that pup? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <And laughs> yeah. So, but it's interesting in the, in the human, I think it's very different. You know, not only are the men, you know, the fathers, but they also are, well, in society, they're 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 encouraged. I want to say pressured. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. encouraged mm-hmm. to be the head of the family, where you know, as if you know. I don't know if it's a natural thing. I don't know. I'm not saying that it is or not, but I'm just wondering: is it a natural thing for the male to be the leader and the head of the family, or does he want to go around and just have sex? Yeah, and like the Mormons. Like the I think the Mormons. The Mormons kind of made it easy in that sense <laughs> i i have i have seen being uh, being a husband and being a father and a father yeah how the role of the dad in the family in a cisgen, how, 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 yeah, how, cisgender how cisgender you know family household, household yeah. um you know, that I want the path of least resistance, you know? So it's, what did your mother say? Do that, <laughs> you know, or, or, um, you know, what, what is it that you need that will keep you happy? You know, all those mm-hmm. things, happy mm-hmm. wife, happy life, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and all that. So there's that. And then I guess in the animal kingdom, like the first thing that popped into my mind was, well, in a lion, in a pride of lions, like the lioness is the one to go that goes hunting. Really? No, I thought it was the lion. I I thought, you you know, watch Lion King because I was thinking about the Lion King. (laughs) 
<laughs> we get to watch like <laughs> I, you know if i had an assistant i if i if i wasn't paying attention to the monitoring here i'd can, go on yeah let's google. go on yeah I'll google. yeah let's, I'll google right let's now, do that you w- told me the story about so you were thinking yeah. about the lion yeah i think it's google. the lion i think it's the lioness that that does the majority of the hunting okay the majority i, I yeah yeah the majority of the hunting and um you know feeds the pups all that other good stuff um but then also in the feet in in like the the feline family, you've got like I know mountain lions, like uh, the female mountain lion has her cub, you know, teaches it everything, and then they have to hurry up and train this train this young, you know, mountain lion to go out into the world because there'll be other male mountain lions trying to uh, you know sire. You know, when they see a woman who's a female lion who's in heat, like they want to, you know, impregnate her. Right. Mm -hmm. And they see that if they see that it's with uh, a cub, they're going to kill the cub because it's all about, you know, spreading their DNA, not the others. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. 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 I found. found, um... Okay, so. It said that the lions go out to hunt mm-hmm. it's a secondly male lions that are within the pride set up uh will be needed in the hunt when they are required to take down a prey that is too large ah. for the females to hunt on their own gotcha so you're right so it's a combination of both if okay. it's too big then the, the guy hey go get yeah. that thing yeah and feed your children <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. child support <laughs> <laughs> hey wake up child support yo get up i need you to go get that zebra <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, you know if there's only zebras around and the, and the pubs need to eat and the mm-hmm. lioness is not big enough then that makes sense like go get totally the, go get the zebra yeah that's you know, sensible but, if it's, but the female's like you know i can i can get that little you know hyena that's no problem i yeah. can get that for the kids yeah you know and that's what i mean like i think society what they they can do to gender is they can box us in in terms of what our roles mm-hmm. can and cannot be Mm-hmm. And again, I that's why I was, you know, and I and so know that um, today it's changed for women's roles in family. Like it was a time where the men were to do the, all the decision making, do you know, and I just feel like that's unnatural because it also says to women that you're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. Right. This enough. But, you know, and, though, I have seen I didn't mean to cut you off, but I also so. I've also seen how that particular situation has also uh, lack of a better way of saying it detriment because because of that dynamic i've Mm. also seen how some women not all women some women see that as a sign of weakness that the man isn't going out okay listen if you're if you married a lazy bum you married a lazy bum but i'm also saying you know if you've gotten gotten into a situation where the man of the household isn't working whether it's being laid off or whatever situation that's gotten him into that position they see that as as a moment of weakness and they start to resent yeah you know (laughs) and i think that that's just toxic all the way around you know what i mean just like uh dealing with you know masculinity or misogyny it affects men and women Mm-hmm. Just like institutional racism affects every ethnicity in this country in regards to who's supposed to be on top and 
pinning one per one group against the other. It's my personal opinion is that it's by design. So I say all that to say that all these things that we haven't dealt with on a national level in regards to the many different types of people that live in this country, like we just need to like stop, hit the reset button and kind of figure out, okay, who are we? You know, as far as like our identity as a country is concerned. And then how do we, you know, have how do we have a community of people, you know, that aren't trying to, you know, kill each other. Right. And we now just so you know, we've just glossed over like a whole bunch of stuff. I would agree. I I was thinking like, oh, my God, we touched on a lot of things that didn't really land. We have. (laughs) But you said a couple of things. I want to go back to. You know, you were once in the corporate world and, you know, okay, so, you know, let's just start from the beginning. How, tell me, uh, not tell me your story because that will have us. That's my memoir. You've got a memoir? I decided that I'm going to do a memoir. Nice. Um, Yeah, someone asked me, you know, this uh, lesbian writer Mm -hmm. reached out to me and wanted to use my image for an erotic novel that she wrote, short story. Mm -hmm. And I said, sure. And then we started talking and she's like, you know, has anyone ever, I followed your work and you're you're fascinating. Has anyone ever, you know, thought about doing a biography? And I said, no. And she also mentioned memoir. She goes, well, you know, if you want help writing, let me know. And so I had time to think about it. We're we're actually going to be Skyping in in about a week or so so about it and talking about it. But at first she thought, well, maybe, you know, because our publishing company doesn't do biographies and memoirs, maybe I could, you know, give her ideas for a story that could be based on me. And I Mm. thought, well, no, I don't know that I want to have my story out and be a a fictional novel, you know. Okay. Um, and so then I thought, well, maybe a biography, but then I'm like, no, you only want to do a biography when you're famous, you know? And I feel like it's not, I've done things, but I'm not, I'm, I don't consider myself famous. Okay. Um, I do consider myself noteworthy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so in that sense, yeah. I decided I'm going to do a memoir and I'm going to talk to her and say, you know, I want to do a memoir. I want to write my story. Nice. So, so, I mean, okay. So I, I, I think, well, I'll say this. I brought you on because of a couple of things. Number one, wanted to see what you're up to. Yeah. Right. Number two, I realized that in my own circle, you know, being directly affected by someone who had brought to their coworkers, hey, I'm going to transition this is, you know, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And and this was like a couple of years ago. Um, I was working for this tech company. We were brand ambassadors spread out across the U.S. Mm-hmm. And really the only way we communicated with one another was via Slack or, you know, texting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so at the time she sent this text, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to transition to become male. And uh, I guess it was an HR thing that they had her do or whatever. Uh, And he was, you know, she was going to transition to be male. And, you know, there you go. And so I'm looking at the text and I'm like, literally, this is what went on in my head. What is this? Is this a joke? I'm like, you know, I I didn't know. I was like, did someone hack into? (laughs) Yeah. 
That's like, such an odd thing to see on your yeah. phone through work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have to say. I mean, yeah, and so I was like, hey. <laughs> I think, uh... His name now is Elijah. I think I. Oh, Aaron. Aaron, Aaron was the prenate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I typed in and like, okay. hey, I'm so happy for you, which I was. Of course. Yeah. You know, I'm like, uh, if you need anything, let me know. Because I was really kind of testing. I was like, this isn't a. I'm subtext. This isn't a joke it's right kind of, it's like it's like one of your co-workers having a child and likes taking hey my wife and i are gonna have a baby you're like, like yeah company text slide you're like oh oh great okay <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so am i <laughs> yeah like, i didn't know we could do that so he immediately he immediately wrote back it's like thank you so much yada 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 and i was like oh okay this okay this is real all right good cool okay now i know now i know where to where to land on this and literally right after that it was like my whole like my reality shifted Mm -hmm. and i didn't know where to go with it Mm -hmm. because you know i like me i was trying to figure out what to do in this situation so it was so many meta things going on at the same time as far as like I'm used to you being this particular way. Now I got to like switch and like try and figure out not to say. And then you get into this giga loop of like, don't say she, don't say she, don't say she, don't say, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason for the tech. I mean, just to, to an offer. I understand why that happened. I mean, I might be joking about the whole child thing, but seriously, I understand why. I don't know that it has to be, um, I wouldn't, let me just put it in, in first person how I would feel because I worked in corporate. If I transitioned in corporate and I and I was, I, I feel like it's still a personal thing. It's similar to when you're coming out being gay. It's like, do I have to tell everyone that I, I'm gay now? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know that it feels the same way. I feel like when you meet people, um, you can, you can tell them then, you know, but it's such a, it's such a delicate thing because it's new, you know, right. somebody coming into a company cisgender and then as they're in the company realizing that they're trans. So I do understand. I just don't know mm-hmm. if it should be the employee. I wonder if it should be an HR thing, but it just seems weird. I feel like if it were me and said, well, okay, now I want you to say, you know, I, all right, everybody. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Cause I don't think that it's, it's not a mandatory thing. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not corporate wide that when somebody decides to transition, that the next thing you have to do is text everyone in your company right. to let them know to let them know that you are transitioning. It is absolutely a personal, a person by person thing. Right. 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 And so with that said, I don't know, you know, how I think, I think it's up to the individual. I really right. don't know how, um, well, how does this whole, I mean, but I'll, I'll tell you, wait, it, yeah, I will go ahead. say this. Yeah, yeah. I know the, the thing for me is I, I think about when I was in corporate, I actually had a different experience. I was not trans identified, mm-hmm. but I had a very androgynous name. Mm-hmm. And that was one indicator. I should have known that I was trans because I had changed my name. Don't ask my dead name. You'll okay. never get it from me until I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so then when I when I started when I joined the company, I, I already started getting Sir most of my life. I've okay. always gotten Sir. So I might be speaking from a to be quite honest, from a privilege point of view. And I know, I know mm. I'm a privileged trans man mm. because I've not, I've not 
always shown feminine characteristics. I've always had a muscular body, not steroid induced. This is my natural body. And and uh, my name is androgynous. So mm-hmm. I might be speaking from a very um, privileged place when I say, I don't know that I would have ta- texted everyone in my company and said I'm trans. Because instead, I, I would go to dinner with clients or in my coworkers, and I would say, oh, by the way, when the waiter, when the waiter comes, he's going to say, can I help you, sir? Sirs, he's not going to see me. And I, I would tell them, don't correct them. This mm-hmm. was 20 years ago I was doing mm-hmm. this. I came out as trans four years ago. So I've, I know that I've had and I've allowed the world to see the black man I am today, that I'm manifesting and that I'm saying and I'm feeling I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, I've allowed my outside world to acknowledge that. But if I were female identified and really showed that I was a fem- female, I think I might would want to deal with letting my coworkers know that I'm no longer, you know, identifying as female. I still okay. don't know that it, I would send out a text. I, that's just, I think it's a person by person, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. guess in this particular instance, this is how it shook down on, yeah. on, yeah. on, on, yeah. on his end. And that's how, I mean, yeah. sure. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how, how exactly does identity, well, what's, what's the question? Identity, being black, being trans, there are many, many, many different different ways to, to go through this. I, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. There was an episode of, um, you know, that Aziz Ansari show on Netflix. No, I haven't seen Oh, yeah, I've heard of it, but I, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Well, there was this one particular episode that Lena Waithe wrote because she's in it. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty much her... Her accounting as far as like not her accounting, but her character's accounting of coming out to her mom as being a lesbian. And there was and Angela Bassett played her mom. Oh, God, it was such a beautiful performance between the two. So I remembered, you know, they were sitting down in this uh, cafe talking and the mom, Angela Bassett's character was coming to grips with her daughter being a lesbian, but it was more along the lines of, I I have to worry about you being a black woman. Now I have to worry about you being a black lesbian. Not that it's bad enough. And that was like what her as a parent was dealing with because that's her fear, you know, as far as like having a child in the, wor- in the world and now having to deal with uh, two things you know, because now it's just, oh, well, people are going to, you know, do you harm because of the color of your skin. Now they're going to do it because of your sexuality. And I think, if anything, that rang true to me as a parent because, you know, it was totally like that aspect of, oh, my God, I got to teach, you know, my, my son is biracial. So it's like treating uh, his identity and, you know, if he decides to go some other route or whatever as far as like his sexuality whatever fine i just know that that rang true to me because that would be the thing that i would worry about and being you know us being we're not millennials well gen, we're gen xers so yeah, gen, xers, yeah. gen xers we're like that in between phase yep. of segregation what our parents had to deal with and what's yep. happening now you know in the present and so you know dealing with sexuality 
in our generation, you know, we we were that, oh, okay, yeah, it's fine. I don't see the big deal. You got some pepper, you know, peppering of idiots or what have you. But particularly in the black community, you know, being gay or being trans or, you know, being whatever that's outside the quote unquote norm, you know, is a big deal. And yeah, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. So whittling it down to the question of how did you how did you find that balance and yeah still looking for it um wow you know i left corporate i left corporate america because uh i was discriminated against Mm -hmm. and someone said to me well what do you think they discriminated against and i said well you could throw a dart i was gay (laughs) I was black and I was a female working as a field service engineer in a white male, Asian male, (laughs) an Indian male dominated field. Like, and so, and and it was interesting because my company was based in Montana and they were, uh, we were equipment manufacturer and we worked at, we had equipments, we had equipments at companies like AMD, Intel, all of the tech companies that made like uh, microchips. Mm -hmm. And so without saying the company's name that I was at, um, it was really clear that they were discriminating against me. And how I knew was a a great example was that I had a coworker who was an Asian man who would oftentimes come and help me if the, if the job was needed to, to men on the job. And, uh, and so I was working with, uh, uh, an employer at this company that I was, uh, assigned to that was very, very, uh, very anal retentive about the work I would do. And he would mm-hmm. cross check and he would have me call the engineers from my company back in Montana to back up my <coughs> findings. And he's mm-hmm. like, make sure you mark the gauges, everything you do, make sure you log. And I would do that. And so after we pretty much had a, a meeting every day uh, on the equipment status, the status of the equipment, I would give them a, an update. And, you know, on the conference call would be the company in Montana and, uh, so one day, one of one of my, my my coworkers came to help me, and so it, we did some work, and we had to measure, take some measurements. And I said, "Oh, Mike, make sure you write down the readings on the gauges, because we have to take that in." And and this guy wants to know what they are, and he goes, "Ah, I'll just, you know, I'll write down something." And so we go there, mm-hmm. and I I couldn't tell on him because he's my coworker, and I watched him tell him his <laughs> guesswork. And he didn't he didn't challenge him whatsoever. And so my company was getting tired because they were taking engineers off of other jobs just to back up me. So it was his his racism or whatever it was he was dealing with mm-hmm. was affecting my company's output because they had to sl- it slowed down what they were doing. And so I guess the head of customer service for engineers uh, knew my complaints and my partner, she knew about it. I would come home every day cursing, swearing. And she's like, Skylar, I can't hear it anymore. You have to start writing this stuff down. So I would. I started keeping a paper trail. And I'd email my manager. And I would beg him to fire me. Because I knew if I quit, I couldn't collect unemployment. It was right. horrible. Right. And I was like, I felt stuck. And um, and so he would write back, oh, they're just on a witch hunt. But didn't he knew what was happening, but he didn't address it. Mm. And then it was when I had to go home, uh, I had to take a couple weeks off and that same coworker mm-hmm. had to cover for me. And again, remember I talked about you have to leave pass downs and everything, you have to do 
inspections. And so I come back after two weeks away and I open up my pass down book and there's not one, the last thing that was entered was me. Wow. And I go, oh my God. And so then we had a meeting and we go to the meeting and I, and, and, and I was just me and the same customer that I had to deal with. And we were talking about the equipment and I was trying to explain what was happening. And he jumped on me within 30 seconds after I finished speaking and saying, well, Skylar didn't run inspections on this. And I go, well, there was, I had no idea of knowing what was happening with the machine. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, it was like the head of customer service says, this is Jim Nash. Why is Skylar doing X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. And this customer just started going off and lying and saying, well, Tony was here and I just lost my cool. And I was like, I was gone for two weeks and Tony did not leave one fucking iota of a pass down. Right. And they said, Skylar, come up. They knew where I was going. And they, they, <laughs> I got off the phone. I called HR and I said, I want you to put me on leave right now. Right. And I never went back. They, the head of the top head called me when I did go back um, to pick up my things. And I was on the phone. My, my manager, who said this is witch hunt, was on the phone at our satellite office. And he asked him, when Skylar asked you, you know, to do this stuff, what did you do? And he said nothing. And the head of customer service said on the phone to me and him, Skylar, we failed you. I don't know if you want to pursue a lawsuit. Mm. But like he flat out said it. He said, <laughs> we failed you. Mm. And I just couldn't. They you don't know. hear that all I the just, time. That, was, that's yeah, admirable. And yeah. I just broke down. They didn't hear me, but I broke down crying. Mm. And I just dropped to my knees and I couldn't take it anymore. I was mm. like. I'm not going to live my life like this. So, of course, HR is like, we're going to reassign you. I go, no, you're not going to reassign me. Reassign him. I have other yeah. people at this company that yeah. I had a great relationship with. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like we can become the victims. You know, and all of that was terrible that I had to go through. Yeah. But I had to go through it to be able to get to where I'm at now. You know, and being a black female and queer in that time yeah, that's been my starting point. That's been my slate from when I entered the world. I started out as a as a young, black, androgynous kid with short hair and everybody called the little boy. Mm -hmm. And then as I grew, I became <clears throat> more aware of my sexuality. So I've never been on any level of, you know, um, yeah, I, when I call the social ladder of of like of of people who matter, I'm like the bottom rung. <laughs> and when I became trans, <laughs> I became like I don't even know. I'm like those you know those braces that hold the ladder. <laughs> like, oh, stop you don't it. even know it's used. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, in t in terms of social awareness, in terms of social, I, I don't okay. obviously don't think of myself like that. Yeah. I'm saying in terms of social awareness, that's where I land. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like almost as I don't have a purpose. And speaking to what you were saying, purpose, you know, that's a key thing, um, knowing your purpose. And that is what got me where I'm at. It got me through corporate. It got me through being an actor, being androgynous, not knowing how I can get roles and how I can rise to the level of a lot of my coworkers have. Mm -hmm. As when I started acting, a lot of them are on big shows and, you know, and because they are sellable, they're more marketable. Right. It's not to say that I don't have the talent that they do. But it was a challenge to try to find ways to cultivate my talent and not be pigeonholed into being roles that I did. I absolutely wasn't interested in playing. Right. You know, right. And How'd you so, get into acting? Um, gosh, I did a performance piece. It's what I yeah, it was a performance piece called Butch Love. And it uh, it inspired. Did you see Hero Mars? 
No, you know, you forgot to send me the link. I didn't we'll send t- you the link. Oh, I know. My God. We were doing so much. Okay, so, right, that, so yeah. Yeah, so it was inspired by that. By that. that okay. It was basically, it was a combination of my experience and how I saw myself as a butch woman in, um, in corporate. And I even had, when I had left corporate, a couple of my coworkers came and they were blown away. They were like, wow, you know, what you said was so powerful. Mm. And I was like, oh. And I realized, wow, I could make a difference on stage. And I thought, hmm, people stare at me <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, I, 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 have, I have something that I can say. Why not? Why not, you know, take a chance? And I remember thinking, like, to my mom, I was, she had just got diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. I realized I was going to lose her. I was just like, I don't really like doing what I'm doing. I felt like I was doing the things I was doing to make her proud, mm-hmm. you know, because I felt like my siblings, you know, had harder choices. And, and I, you know, I joined the military thinking I would make her proud. And that didn't work because in, after I started to get into a place of leadership, they came out with don't ask, don't tell. And I yeah. was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm not going to, and if anything, the military taught me integrity. I'm not going to sit in a place of leadership, be on a board, someone is caught in a barracks with someone of the same sex, and I get to put them out knowing that I'm gay. Like, And I felt like I'm, I was 30 by then. I'd spent 11 years. And I'm like, I'm not going to say the person who loves me is my roommate. Right. That's wrong. And, you know, and so I felt like the military was not honoring me. Yeah. Once again, <laughs> you know, so I got. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah. So I was curious, you know, because, you know, you're you're a veteran. Yeah. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, oh, my God, that's like right in the middle of don't ask, don't tell. So what exactly yeah. is don't ask, don't tell? Like if you're if you have. OK, so if what if I, was if, it? If, if right. let's say you're you and I are serving together and you see me out coming out of a gay club okay it has big rainbow flag and you see me walking out you don't get to say are you a lesbian right and i don't have to say yeah okay so it is as simple as that literally no matter what you i mean with the exception of if you caught them in the barracks and you walked in like let's say you walked in on your roommate who would have been male and he was with another guy yeah and you know and you were just like what that and that you could obviously you don't have to ask it's clear that you would just report to your commanding officer this is what happened and they would be investigated that's beyond don't ask don't tell okay you know that's actually being caught in the act okay but if you don't see of all you see is me walking out of a club with a rainbow flag that doesn't make me a lesbian okay you know i you know so So what are the intricacies because i i realized that I guess it was supposed, it was a band-aid to fix a situation. It shut down yeah. lesbian and gay people is what it did. It was okay. terrible. It, it shut them down. I um, mean, now they can serve, but then look what's happening to the trans community. Right. And that's right. just horrible. Did you hear what happened to Chelsea? Yeah, that she tried to commit suicide. Well, there was that, but like recently, like I literally, before you came in, um, she has apparently been jailed because she wouldn't talk about uh, WikiLeaks. She was supposed to testify against WikiLeaks. Well, she's in jail now, though. No, no, she was released. Like Obama pardoned pardoned her. Oh, Obama pardoned her. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. She went back. Oh, that's what. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That I thought that's when when I read that she was in jail. I thought that they. I was like, what? She's in jail. <clears throat> yeah, they put her in jail for like twenty something. Like seven, crazy. Seven years. Seven years. years. Yeah, I think it was seven. Jeez. When. She, when she, wow. you know, leaked the information That's to crazy. WikiLeaks, 
then Obama pardoned her. Wow. This was like a few years ago. And then she was supposed to go to court and start talking about WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. And she wouldn't. She stood by her principles and they put her back in jail. jail. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. So, yeah. So I kind of went out of order because you know it really does start with the military. My yeah. my whole uh, trajectory, mm-hmm. um, and then of course after eleven years and seeing that my worth was more than what the military was was telling me, um, I went into corporate, and then that whole deal happened with the the harassment, um, and then I landed you know in the arts, and it's been a love affair ever since. Right. Um, I was sharing with my friend about the idea of what brings about suicidal ideation. And I found that work versus life are two very important things. Work is something that is very is institutionalized. In our, mm-hmm. It's in our society. It's what we do. Yeah. We work together, you know. And so the work that you do um, is important. The, ch- the choices that you make in work is important. Then there's a life, you know, and that for me is the artist you know that's what I've become and I'm fortunate to say that I'm able to I'm in a place now where I can infuse my work and my life you know together in my art they are coming together cool. you know like in, if I did work like a horror film that's not really the work I want to do I want to do work like my film Worthy of Survival talking about a young black veteran who suffers a workplace meltdown gets confined to a psych ward and learns this incredible story. You know, that's the kind of work I want to do in my art. Okay. You know, and as long as I'm an artist, I'm feeding my life. As long as I'm trans man I, and identifying with myself and holding my truth, I'm feeding my life. And those two have to constantly happen. And I yeah. always find that if something, if you're feeling less than worthless, it's one of those two things are are, tr- are you yeah. know, troubling, you know? Yeah. And, like my girlfriend, she hates me saying it, but I'm going to say it. So she was a punk rock star. She is. She's a punk rock star back in Russia. And nice. she, yeah, yeah. And, she and her goes, not liking it is yeah, punk. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, yeah. So, she's so <laughs> punk. It's a contradiction. Yeah, she's so punk. She's so punk. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and so she, um, she came here and she had, you know, had met her, her, her children's father and uh, no longer together, but she has kids. And she, her, her life now is a mom. There's right. no question about it. Like, that's her life. And her work is she's a preschool teacher. And she's a preschool teacher because she wants to be a mom. She wants to be able to raise her, her boys. That's very important to her. And she's content, you know? And I'm like, don't you want this? Don't you? And she goes, no. I found that. And so, I'm good. So yeah. being someone, you know, it's so that's one of the things I found has been the challenge. Is like, then you have the relationship and you're always trying to balance your personal work in life with the other person's personal work in life and yep. making, you know, and trying to make it together yep. and make the relationship happen. And sometimes they don't. And that's no one's fault, especially if they're following their truths and yeah. their work in their life. Yeah. You know, it's not Masha's fault if she can't move out of the most expensive city in the fucking world because <laughs> I really <laughs> want her to. But we don't live together because her work in her life is that she's a mom. And she's a preschool teacher. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And my gotcha. work in my life is that I'm an artist who can't afford to live in San Francisco. Right. Which is tragic. Right. And it's irony tragic. at the same time because this is the place for artists Jeez. to thrive. And I hear tell that um, <clears throat> I have to read the article, but uh, Lyft, Uber, 
and I think some other uh, tech app company, they're about to go public. And when it goes public, you're going to have like a big upsurge in millionaires. And this is all in the Bay Area. So that's going to push out a lot of, you know, already struggling, self-identified middle class families and people and push them further out and push, you know, um, you know, the housing prices are just going to skyrocket because everybody want a piece of that million. Right. So, um, (laughs) the expression on your face, like, and here we go again. And God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Capitalism. It's, it's crazy. It it is. It is. And you know, I, I put it to you like this. I don't want to see the bubble burst because when it, and there have been so many people who are like, you have got to get a viable working middle class back on its feet because it is the engine that is going to keep this country going and nobody is listening. I don't know whether it's by design. This is the conspiracy part of me. I don't know whether it's It's by design or whether it's, Oh, I'm just out here to make this money. Fuck all this, you know, get my million and you know, you know, whatever, you know, like I don't understand. Like, I really, really don't. That goes back you know? to the initial question, what is America? You know? And that's, yeah. that's the question I'm asking myself. Like, and what, as an American, what part do I play? Right. You know? And, and when I, say, I don't know if I'm going to say in supporting this country, but in embodying okay. the country. Okay. In embodying what it is to be American. And, and I feel like I'm holding on, like you and like so many people, into what America once was, these ideas that we were taught. And, but they're constantly getting blown apart, you know? And it's just like, well, how are we supposed to uphold these things, you know, and not lose our minds? Um, because we're, you know, when we try to do that, it just feels like, like you said, something like this, like with yeah. Twitter and Uber and all of them going public. It's like, they know damn well what that would do yeah. to the middle class in the Bay Area, yeah. you know? And um, so I, I feel like we are sliding toward um, third world country. You know, I really do. I just, I, I, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It's just a reality. Yeah. I mean, we're you can exactly see the how, world. Yeah. yeah. How can, unless, well, again, and it's also, I'm thinking about like, well, you have, you know, kids. It's like, well, who's teaching the kids? Who's running the, the emergency services here? Who are the police? I mean, who are these people and, and how are they supposed to survive? You know? And so then it's like, are only the jobs that are middle class going to be civil jobs? Mm-hmm. Is that it? Mm-hmm. And then we're on a fixed income, and you know, so yeah, it's just yeah, it's weird. Um, I I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years. Hopefully, um, you know, I'm not going to rely on one person to change everything in 2020. That happened to us before in 2009. Mm -hmm. And look where it got us. I will say that. No, I mean, I will. Yeah, it's It's true. true. You know, I will say that. Whatever happens in 2020, as far as who we have as president, I think that we should look at that as a symbol and not just like sit and wait. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And sit and wait for the miracle to happen. We are that miracle. Mm -hmm. But let's get to 
Hero Mars. You know, I got to say I got to segue because because I, I know we could sit here and just like we could rap we could for hours. Yeah, we could. But how did Hero Mars uh, come to be? And. And you're and you've been doing so you've been doing other works. So you got Hero Mars. You have you're in another movie called Lasso, which you can you know find on iTunes now. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So how have you been approached to do roles? And is it the is it the fact that you're hey, this is Skylar Cooper, you know, he's great actor, or is it like, yo, we need a trans male to mm. you know what I mean? Like mm. exploit exploit you but not exploit <laughs> your talent. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Um well, I know Lasso came about, the director actually shared with me something I didn't know. He said that he was looking on IMBD, and I guess they have a list of 100, you know, um, if you put in like tough women or something fighters, and I'm in that list. Hmm. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, that's one of, the, one of the ways I found you. And then a mutual friend of ours knew who I was, and so he reached out. And, you know, and just like when I was cisgender, I was playing male and female roles as a trans man. Why wouldn't I play male and female roles? <laughs> like I'm just, I've, okay. I've not changed, you know, what I do as an actor. You know, um, I've changed who I was as, okay. as the person. Um, and so I said, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to do it. But I said, if I'll play the cisgender tough cowgirl, but just know that, I don't want people to get confused. I am he on set, you know. So when I got on set, you know, I realized, you know, they're going to get confused and I don't really want to be misgendered. So I just let them know. And one of the women on this, on Lasso, who was uh, paid by Karen Gee, she was Laura Ingalls' mom on Little House on the Prairie. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. she comes, I go up to her and I said, um, I said, listen, I, I told everyone, don't worry about the pronouns. You can just call me Trish or if you, she, and she goes, I want to call you what you want to be called. And I go, wow, I appreciate that. And so then they were looking for a stunt double mm-hmm. for a lot of the stunts, which I did a, a good majority of mine, but we had some really t- difficult ones. And they couldn't find anyone with my body type. So they found a guy in Texas. <laughs> and they flew him <laughs> out. <laughs> and Donald and I are great friends. He's awesome. Nice. I go, you and I are going to be joined at the hip. You're going to yeah. be my stunt double to the day I die. Yeah. Keep your dreads. And so then... So then um, he's on set and I've noticed no one was misgendering him. And he had the whole prosthetic boobs and stuff. And I'm like, and at that time I had the real ones. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. I've been holding on to my boobs this long and I didn't know that I could have just gotten props. I was like, that's <laughs> what the fuck they were. They were props. And I was like, oh, all bets are off, motherfucker. Excuse my language. All Whoa, bets yeah. are off. And so... After, not long after I decided to have my top surgery mm-hmm. and um, and I t- also told the entire set I said no longer everyone's calling me he whether I'm in Trish or not it's he because it was really okay. starting to bring up which I really had issues with gender dysphoria just hearing she um, so that was that was Lasso uh, and then it and it went well and mm-hmm. people loved it Uh and I actually loved that I played this cowgirl, Trish, you know, and and, uh, and I was able to represent a strong black woman, mm-hmm. even though I identify as a trans man. All right. And after that, um, I don't know, the theater started calling me back, you know, and it was really interesting because Hero Mars um, 
was before Lasso, actually. Hero Mars was before Lasso. But Hero Mars was the movie or the film that I did was the one that opened my eyes to my seeing that I was a transgender artist all this time. So when I did Hero Mars, it was based on my life in L.A., in the film industry. Although Hero Mars is about following a uh, a down and out actor in theater trying to break into a classical theater company. Right. You know, I use that that storyline, but it wasn't theater is actually way more flexible with casting. Uh, but after seeing Hero Mars, I realized that I was a transgender actor. And so that's when I started going to trans support groups and kind of just seeing where I was on the trans or the gender spectrum. Okay. Because I just wasn't sure. I don't know. I didn't know that I had the same exact experiences as, as most trans men, and I absolutely didn't. Um, and I've never felt like a man trapped in a, a woman's body. In fact, I felt like a man with female parts on them. When I looked in the mirror, I never okay. felt. I've always seen both genders in the man in the, in the mirror, and so I've often hear a lot of trans men really are in a female shell and they can't, you know, they may have hips, they may have big yeah, boobs yeah, yeah. and that really indicate a female gender. Yeah. And I never had that, you know, so I wasn't quite, um, my experience with my gender wasn't as, uh, didn't have as strong as dysphoria as okay. most. If anything, it was as I got older, um, my boobs started growing. And I became less androgynous. And I started hearing she more than I often did in my outside world. Not with my close circle, but people who didn't know me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why are they called? I'm like, oh my God, they're gendering me based on my my sex. And I felt so violated. Okay. And I was like, I'm having... And that was another thing that pushed me to having top surgery. And so when I decided to do it, a friend said, are you going to feel more male, you think, after you do it? And I go... No, that's not what I'm doing. I already feel male. I'm doing it because I know that once I have top surgery, if someone misgenders me, it's not going to be because they looked at my sex and said, oh, you're, you know, because that just felt really violating. And now okay. it feels amazing. Okay. You know, it's a, it was a different kind of dysphoria that I was experiencing. So gender dysphoria. Um, I, I've heard that term in regards to young kids who who feel you know who feel like they're in the wrong body yeah or 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 what have you yeah um and there is this big debate on if a child who if a minor says hey i want i want to transition you know the whole question of well hey you know your body's not done cooking yet you've got chemicals and stuff that need to settle down and all that stuff. So that debate, you know, aside, how, what, what, what's, what's, what's my question? I guess if anything, so gender dysphoria affects people differently in regards to, this is me spitballing here in regards to body type, how you're wired, how your head is wired. Yep. And Support. yeah, your background, your yeah. religious. I mean, yeah, it depends. It's, it's just so it depends on a lot of different things. Like if I look at my picture when I was a kid. um, It looks I look like a boy. <laughs> like I mm. look all of my I look like a boy. Mm. And there's a picture of me posed with my knee down and my and I had a ring on my index finger mm. and I have my shoelaces untied, a ratty T-shirt and jeans. 
And my dad took that picture. Mm. He didn't pose me. You know what I mean? He just, and I just like, I had this muscle and it was like, and I was very boyish and he just took it. Yeah. And I look at it and I'm like, oh my God. And I've always known and I've always felt that feeling of, um, of feeling like a boy. Okay. When I was a kid, it, I'd never felt like a girl. Okay. Ever. But I didn't feel challenged by my gender expression. Okay. Because my gender expression was free. And gotcha. as I freed it, it was really releasing me. And I had to learn to love masculinity. Okay. And so when I learned to love masculinity, because I used to think I was ugly, um, when people would look at me and think I was a male. And when I realized that being masculine is not being ugly, that masculinity can be beautiful. Right. I was like, oh, they're not calling me ugly. They're calling me masculine. And I go, oh, Okay, I'm I'm a masculine woman. Yeah, and so I I was able to live with that, live with that in my work and my life, and it was fed. And I okay. was able to work as a masculine woman, and I was able to live and be my life as a masculine woman. Okay, and then I had to deal with my sexuality, you know. So it's just very different for everyone, and that's why I said earlier I am privileged in yeah. in that sense as a trans man. Okay, you know, and so I I do I, I don't I don't say that my experience is every trans man's experience. It absolutely is not. And it really is different for each of us. Of course. And I think and I think about young kids and I think about when they question their gender, they have every right. I don't know what their religious background is. I don't know. You know, maybe they're not challenged by their religious background. Maybe they have parents who have exposed them to things that, you know, allow them to ask like these questions that answers any kind of things for themselves like any kind of confusions that they may have about them, them their sense of self mm-hmm. absolutely i think that kids know who they are uh, yeah I, and i i really do and i i think about like i saw this video about detransitioning it was this trans a woman who was a trans man who detransitioned and Whoa. one of the, yeah and one of the reasons she detransitioned <laughs> she, wait a minute, she, no, i'm sorry she, she went woman, back yeah she went back this this whole there's a whole bunch of stuff on youtube with detrans i oh watched my it God. i watched all of it before i came out i did my research dude i researched because i wanted to make sure i knew where i was on the spectrum yeah and, yeah. I, and even as a trans man I, I don't know what made me click on it i clicked on it, i was watching her and she she transitioned and of course when i looked at her body type it was very much shaped like a woman yeah um, she didn't like the things that I didn't like, which was like men's attention, catcalling, used to drive her crazy, drove me crazy. Like I got that, but there was a difference, you know? And so she did it and she even freely said it. I did it thinking that I would be accepted. I would, you know, and that is not why I would ever transition. Oh my you God. Know? And, that, and yeah. of course that's not, you know, and so, so I think there's something that has to live with you. Like, can you live with masculinity? Like, I lived with masculinity from the time I was born. I loved it. I breathed it. I loved it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, I think about when I was playing with kids, the girls, and, you know, you play with the boys. I was always playing sports with the boys. The girls, I would play house, but I would always want to just go do it to eat because they would cook and I would eat. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep it real. I couldn't give a shit about that fucking Betty Crocker shit. I just wanted the food. Wait a minute, right? are you making a cake in that thing? Yeah, All right, I'm, told, I'm, I'm there. I'm totally there. I'm there, right? So I, I think that being able to know that you can live with masculinity and how you express masculinity is a huge piece. And not to mm. say that, again, and you can be, sexuality is different from gender expression you can be masculine and be attracted to men you know you can you can be a gay man 
Um, So I think that being able to know that you can live in the gender of how you see yourself as is the most important thing. Not how other people see gender, how you see the genders, how you see what is male and what is female and where you are in that, you know, in that uh, on that spectrum. And I will say this, if you know, if anything, if anything needs to be challenged, it's what the ideas are on the far extremes. What is it to be a female and what is it to be a male? The quintessential. Yeah. Those things need to be challenged, not the things in between. Okay. You know, and I, that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, I feel you in that aspect. I also understand that truth, you know, in my own personal journey, you know, just, just being, just being here mm-hmm. and having a son and realizing, okay, what is it to be a man? Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to have my father in my life, right? So, you know, I understand how that defines me. I also understand that the social, economic, and political stuff that was going on while he was growing up has an effect. And for, you know, men who have who have who have children mm-hmm. and men of color who have children and how that whole thing works. And so how all of that has defined how I am raising my child now. It's a big head game because in certain aspects, it's I know what these other knuckleheads are doing. So I have to try and toughen my boy up. He is first off. I was never like that growing up, mm-hmm. like at all. Mm-hmm. And I knew what my father was trying to do because that was, you know, his lack of a better way of saying it, fear, sure. you know, just to make sure that I was out into the world and was able to take care of myself and not to back down and all that stuff, fight mm-hmm. for what you believe in and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And so I've realized that I was doing the same same thing with, with my son. But I also knew... But then I also realized the context in why my father was doing it. And it's not a failure. It's more of a, okay, this is a new generation of kids. I need to tweak all these things because it's not all black and white. It's not all men are men and women are women. And, you know, they need to go in the kitchen and and do all that, which my, you know, my, my, I was never raised, you know, I never saw that dynamic, like woman, get in the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. Cause my mom would kick his ass. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Really? No. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. <right>. So. <laughs> That's so, Masha. Yeah. That yeah. So you know, de- man, just just dealing dealing with uh, masculinity nowadays. Um, if, if anything, as far as like masculinity in in the sense of it, it can be a beautiful thing. I, I want to say that masculinity and being misogynistic are, I think, two different things, right? Of course, there are two different things, right? 
And so I guess how you're identified, how you're identified. First off, I want to say, you know, thank you for coming so we can actually discuss this because I actually think that this is actually going to help, you know, not I'm not going to say bridging gaps, but, you know, just just dealing with our community as being black people and realizing that, hey, you know what? And we, I know we gotta, we gotta wrap it up soon, and we gotta actually, we're we're gonna have to come back and talk about this again because we yeah, have to talk I, about I your activism. It. We yeah. have to talk about, um, like you know, we'll get into some of the other things that you're doing. But I, I think the most important thing is, you know, just dealing with, you know, how these kids are coming up into this world, how fe- the feminine and masculine s- sides of of both genders. Mm-hmm you know, need to be able to coexist because, you know, one does beget the other. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You mm-hmm. know, I like to personally think that I kind of somewhat have a clue because I'm 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 a huge Prince fan and that man ran around in yeah. spandex and yeah. Lord knows whatever else. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I didn't on. bat an eye. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a gender terrorist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Controversy. So, the song is like yeah. I, I listened to it on the way up here mm-hmm. when I was coming back from L.A. for an audition. And, uh, you know, just re-listening to the lyrics, I was like, this cat was on a whole other level, you know. Yeah, we can't be. I don't think we should be afraid to grow and explore our gender, our sexuality, um, in respects to our whatever our beliefs are, our, our moral core beliefs are. We shouldn't be afraid to explore how to have those two continue to coexist and to grow. Mm-hmm. We've done that in religion, and 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 I'm not Christian, but my father was a Baptist minister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I look at the text and in how religion and how Christianity has been propagated throughout the years, it's changed. Yeah. It's changed to fit society. And so for some for some reason, I don't know why we're challenged by allowing our humanity, which is our sexuality, our, our gender identity, our identity. That's our humanity. Why we're so challenged to allow our humanity to grow along with what we've learned. I mean, I know that there are some things within uh, within religions that challenge people uh, or, or conflict them. That's the word. Okay. It conflicts them. And that conflicts, I feel, immobilizes them. And, uh, and it's not a good reason to not care or not do anything or to stay where you are because you're conflicted. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's why I think you're right. I think we have to continue to have different perspectives. You know, it's it's, you're right. it's not here. To, I'm not here. to. I don't know that I'm here to bridge gas. But I'm here to offer perspectives so that we can have that in mind. How can we continue to grow, you know, with our core beliefs, our religion and our, you know, who we are, you know, as people and particularly our humanity, you know, yeah, that's what's at stake. And it is always from the time that we are born. Yeah. Our humanity is at stake. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. That's real. Yeah. So uh, what you got coming up next? Oh, my gosh. So, um, so you've got your memoir. Yeah, I got my memoir. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a memoir. I'm gonna, I am going to do a memoir, but I am really excited about uh, this summer. Okay. I was cast as a fellow with Livermore Shakespeare. 
company. Extremely jealous, but keep going. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh my God, with uh, Michael Wayne Rice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to tell you, this is just my personal thing. Go for it. I am so honored that I was cast by a black man to play Othello. That, nice. you have no idea. It it almost brings tears to my eyes. Mm. I'm so humbled. Mm. And I told Michael, I sent him a personal email, and I said, I really look forward to sitting with you and listening, you know, to how you envision Othello. Because I I, I feel... I feel as as someone who understood what it was to be a black man in America when I was cisgender, because I was being seeved and perceived, and and you know I bring that still. You know right. I see my brother's pain. You know and I and I as a black man um, today, I, I you know I'm not approaching Othello as a trans black man. I'm pro- I'm approaching Othello with the lens of a black man. Okay. You know and. Um, I trust that Michael will give me that. He will set the stage. He's going to set the stage for me in how to appear, you know. And I, I have Othello inside. I could feel him inside, but he's not coming up yet. You know, it's it's not time, you know. And and if but it feels so incredible to think that I will do something um, that. I don't think any any trans black trans man has done mm-hmm. or a trans man has done is cast or a trans person, you know, to be cast as a cisgender person on a professional stage. Uh, yeah. And then I think just being a, an actor. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, playing what Hamlet, Othello, yeah. Iago, those are the, like <laughs> to get those roles yeah. are like a dream. It's a big deal. It's a, It's a big deal. And I and I'm and I'm humbled. I'm so humbled and scared shitless. You should be. It's <laughs> huge. And, yeah. Yeah. Of course I'm you should not be scared. scared. Shitless, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I'm scared shitless. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, it's real. You know. It's yeah. So, you know. It's You'll so, get there. Yeah. 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 Totally. Well, totally. I know I have your support. So oh I'm hell just, yeah. 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 So yeah, as soon as I start seeing promos, I'm I'm coming. I'm gonna get my free ticket too. So of course. <laughs> of course. Okay. Cool. So you got Othello. Uh, you've got a website. What's the website? Yeah, it's SkylarCooper.net. Cool. And uh, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I I don't tweet as much as I probably should know how. <laughs> right. Right. I was gonna say. I was gonna say it's probably as, as much as I should, but the reality is know how. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. just don't know how to tweet that well. Um, but I, I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Cool. Uh, I think it's Skylar Cooper Filmmaker uh, is my Instagram. And uh, yeah. Cool Facebook, deal. Skylar Cooper. Oh, of course. Got to got to got to got to know yeah. what's going on in the Matrix that I, yeah. I call Facebook yeah, the, Matrix. the Matrix. Uh, cool. So, yeah. OK, so number one, we're going to. You're, you're coming back. You're yeah. You're gonna bring me back. Yeah. Oh, okay. hell yeah! You're coming back because you know because you've got Othello coming up. Yeah. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll also talk about your activism. We'll also talk about a myriad of other things that we just scratched, just literally just scratched the surface of. And I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, thank you. Sweet. It's just work. I'm working progress. We, we all are. That's my disclaimer. I'm working progress, so you can't hold me to nothing I said today. <laughs> okay, remember that time when I said all this stuff? Yeah, Work forget in progress. that. <laughs>
All right, cool. All right. Thanks for tuning in on another episode of LJ Presents. As always, you can find me on my website at ljeffreymore.com, Twitter at ljeffreymore, and on Instagram at ljeffrey.more. Make sure to check back next week for another great guest. See you then.